Good morning, Browncroft. Good to see you on this wonderful 27th morning. Uh, my name is Aaron McGinnis, and I have the pleasure of working as the student director here at the church. Um, our students are amazing, and it's wonderful to be around them every Wednesday. Um, but today I'm very excited to be able to talk to you. Um, today on this Sunday, just a little bit after Christmas, if you can see where we are right now is not in the church. No, it's actually in my living room, my actual house. I wanted to invite you guys into my house and you can see left the Christmas decorations up because for us Christmas doesn't stop on the 25th. Either that or we're just really lazy and don't want to redecorate. But I wanted to invite you into our home because I know that many of you are in your own homes right now with your family tuning in to church. And it's really telling I think because Oftentimes our journeys as Christians, the way it plays out doesn't always happen within the walls of the church. You know, our faith isn't always just a Sunday morning thing, something that happens within the walls of the church. No, our faith is something that happens in our workplaces, around our family, in our houses. And today we are in the place where I spend the most time of my whole life, and that's in my living room. Um, in here we have our games, we have our movies, we have everything that I need, um, and some really encapsulates my life. Now, one thing about me that you should know, and I'm going to get this out there before anyone founds out, finds out and gets to tell it their own way. It's really a deep, dark secret of mine, and it's this. I am a New England Patriots fan. Yes, I am a Patriots fan, and I know some of you are getting up and walking out of the room right now. You're like, this guy has no credibility. I'm done. We're not, we're not going to this church anymore. He's a New England Patriots fan, and I know it's really unfortunate, especially because many people around here dislike uh, me as a Patriots fan, so you get into some interesting conversations, but there are some perks. Yes, um, one of those perks is when you are just in your living room on a Sunday with some friends and family and you're watching the Bills blow a 14-point lead. And while all your friends and family are in utter agony and just defeat, you get to give a little fist pump and chuckle a little. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a deep, dark secret of mine. And you're probably wondering, Aaron, how in the world did you become a New England Patriots fan? Did you grow up in New England? Did you grow up around Massachusetts? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> did you have family from Massachusetts? Nope, didn't do that either. So how did I become a Patriots fan? Well, the story is rather simple and kind of funny. On Christmas 21 years ago, when I was five years old, uh, Christmas morning, my grandma uh, came around the corner, my grandma and grandpa, and had a gift in their hand, completely packaged, wrapped so nicely, and they came over and handed it to me. And I was thinking, you know, is this a classic grandmother gift? Is this socks? I'm like, Grandma, is this just a sweater for me? You think you know my style, but you don't. <laughs> and as I began to open up this gift, I realized that there were some really bright red and blue shining through the package. And as I ripped it apart, I unfolded a giant New England Patriots blanket. 
Now, as a five-year-old, this was like the coolest thing. It was bright, it was shiny, it was big, and that blanket became something that I gave all my attention to. Man, if I was going upstairs, I was bringing my blanket. If I was going to bed, I was bringing my New England Patriots blanket. If I was getting up early to watch Sunday morning cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons, I was swaddled in my New England Patriots blanket. And it didn't stop there. I still vividly remember buying my first New England Patriots coat. And from coats to gloves, gloves, football, next thing you know, all my Sundays are booked. And the Super Bowl became kind of like a religious holiday for me because Let's be honest, it was likely the New England Patriots were in the Super Bowl and that was my team. Now there's another character, actually two other characters in this story that I didn't tell you about. And that's my middle and older brother. On that same morning of Christmas, they received gifts as well, but they didn't receive New England Patriots blankets, no. My middle brother received a Buffalo Bills blanket. That's right. And my oldest brother received a Carolina Panthers blanket. The esteemed Carolina Panthers. Yes, we got three separate football team blankets. And lo and behold, 21 years later, our favorite football teams are still the same as the blankets we received. I'm a New England Patriots fan, middle brother is a Bills fan, oldest brother is a Carolina Panthers fan. Now, this story is kind of funny, but in an interesting way, it can get kind of serious as well. Why do I say that? My life, who I became, was shaped by something I was given as a little kid, right? What I decided was the greatest thing since sliced bread. What I decided to put all my attention to, what I decided was the thing that I wanted to carry around everywhere, ended up becoming part of who I am. I became what I was given, right? And it's interesting because today we grow up in a very interesting uh, cultural moment. Our kids, our students are growing up in a time that's very different from even when I was growing up. When I was growing up and I was thinking about who I wanted to become, really the influences were the blanket my grandma gave me and some things like I knew my parents were athletes, so I knew I might one day become an athlete. And that's about the extent of what I thought about when I thought about who I was going to become. I really didn't give it much thought at all. But in today's culture, in the culture that our students are growing up in, who you are, your identity, who you want to become is at the forefront of all the messages the world is asking us. I walk around on Wednesdays and I can ask students, what political affiliation they're with, what, what their favorite hobbies are, what uh, anything about their identity, and they are expected to have an answer for those things. Something that I put no thought towards, who I was going to become, really, they are told that they need to have it all figured out. And this is a really interesting thing, because in one sense of the idea, I actually like it. You know, I'm like, yeah, students, you decide for yourself who you want to become. Don't let people tell you who you want to become, <laughs> right? Put some effort and be intentional about what you are holding high, what you want to become. I like that. But in another sense, 
something troubles me, there's a little bit of tension and it's this. Usually what the world wants us to become is something that the world values, something that is not of God, but in fact of this world. So when we are putting together our identities, oftentimes we're grabbing from things of this world and we're holding high the values of this world instead of Christ. Now that leads us to our main verse of the day, which is Romans 12, two through three. And this verse is Paul talking to the church in Rome. And if you know anything about Roman culture, you know that it was a powerful culture. It is a culture that was not neutral in any sense of the word. It is a culture that had powerful traditions, powerful architecture, art. It held high things like power, esteem, uh, art, eloquence, these values that are all values of the world. And it was an impressive culture. And what Paul found out was that his, the Christians in Rome were starting to adopt the things of this world. Instead of holding up Christ and pursuing him, they were holding up the things of this world and pursuing those. So let's read in Romans 12, 2 through 3 today. It says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now let's go to that first part. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is setting up two scenarios here. One, you can be conformed by the patterns of this world. Now that word conformed is a very interesting word. It's a word that really gets its roots in molds, in uh, shaping things to be part of a pattern. Um, If you've made Christmas cookies with your family, you know that you take your cookie cutter and you shape that dough exactly how you want it to look um, into the perfect mold, right? And what Paul is saying here is, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. The world around you has a lot of patterns. The world around you wants you to become a certain way. The world around you wants to conform you to its vision of the world. And what else he's saying is it's a powerful thing. And if we're not careful, we will be conformed by the patterns of this world. We will hold high what the world holds high. We will be enamored with, we will appreciate and spend time with the things of this world. And we will be conformed, molded into that. He says, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. He's saying that that word transformed is really interesting because it contrasts conformed. Conformed is from the outside in. You are being molded by the powers around you. Transformed is different. Transformed is from the inside out. When you are transformed, what is within you, the change within you, starts to affect the things on the outside. Being conformed versus being transformed. One thing that's really interesting is that in Christianity, we can sometimes get this wrong. For example, personal example, and this hits really close to home because this was my story for a lot of my life. 
Growing up, I was part of a Christian family. Grandpa was a pastor, uncle was a pastor, other uncle was a pastor, other uncle was a missionary, absolutely surrounded by Christian uh, influences and models. But I decided that my goal in life, what I wanted to hold high, was to be the perfect Christian, right? I wanted to be that person who did their devotionals, who prayed at the right times, who was nice and didn't use foul language, right? I wanted to check all these boxes and I wanted to become that. What I didn't realize, and although that sounds like a good thing, I didn't realize that I just wanted to conform to the patterns of that world. I just wanted to fit the mold. I didn't actually want to be transformed from the inside out. And we know that transformation can only come through Christ. And that brings me to my first point, and it's this. You become what you behold. I'll say it one more time, ready? You become what you behold. What does that mean? That's a great question. In other words, whatever you spend time with, whatever you give your attention to, whatever captures your imagination and you think is the greatest thing, that is what we will become. And the hard thing is, is that oftentimes what we think is the greatest thing is something of the world. Um, there's an interesting story from my past. Um, for those of you who didn't know, for three years, I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yes, Charlottesville, Virginia, home of the University of Virginia, go Hoos. Uh, they won the, the last NCAA championship. Great place. But one thing about Charlottesville, Virginia, is that they hold status and intelligence and money very high in that culture. That culture is consumed by status and pursuing the things of this world. And as a younger Christian, I went into that culture thinking, I'm untouchable. I'm not going to value those things. I'm good. I've got Christ. I'm never going to fall into valuing those things, right? That's what I thought. Um, but as time dragged on, I started adopting the patterns of that world. I started becoming like everyone else in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I think it really culminated in one story. And it went like this. I met a friend for coffee. And during our conversation, he ended up throwing uh, this question at me. He said, hey, Aaron. I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, Aaron, are you satisfied with your income? <laughs> of course, I say that now and it takes me aback. Like, what an interesting question, right? I'm like, oh, I see what he's getting at. He wants me to make more money. I don't know, right? Um, but what ended up happening is that set a course for me where I started reading books about making money. I started reading books about how to view people who make money. The smart people do this. The dumb people do this with their money. And next thing you know, I was researching in the morning. I would get up and think about, Aaron, how can I make more money? How can I turn my assets into income, right? And little did I know, I started walking into rooms and viewing my friends and thinking about their salaries. I started viewing myself and thinking about how much per hour I got paid and how much other jobs could you know, pay me. And I started viewing the whole world through the lens of money. 
And even though I was a Christian, I started conforming to the patterns of this world and I didn't even realize it was happening. I mean, I kid you not, I started going to meetings in hotels, completely in a suit, like getting ready to meet people and try to impress them with my ability to make money. This is, this is a true story. And it took a couple of friends and some reading of my Bible to realize, time out, Aaron. <laughs> you have no longer upheld the things of the Lord, but you have started to behold the things of this world. You've started to behold money. You've started to behold status. And now you've become an agent of the world. There's another verse that I want to go to, and it's in 2 Kings. 2 Kings 17 verse 15. And the author of Kings is basically uh, uh, saying something about their culture um, that is going to be true of our culture today. Yes, this was written thousands of years ago, but it's absolutely true for us right now. The author of Kings saw a, a people who are being influenced by the culture around them, and he says this. 2 Kings 17, verse 15. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. He said they rejected the things of God. And they followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them and the... Uh, although the Lord had ordered them. I'll say that last part a little bit one more time. They followed worthless idols and became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. What is this verse saying? What is the author trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us this. As Christians, it's very easy to get caught up in the things of this world. It's very easy to behold the values of this world. But when we worship those things, when we put those on a pedestal, give them our time and attention, we become worthless. It seems super harsh and I almost wish it wasn't in the Bible, but that's what it says. It's saying this, Aaron, when you were pursuing money, when you were viewing the world in terms of dollars and cents, you were actually contributing to a worthless world, a world that is not a part of the kingdom of God, a world that will be shaken away, right? He said, what you are doing and the way you are viewing the world is worthless. It has no worth. It will not stand the test of time because it is not of God. The thing that you beheld, you have become. You beholded something worthless and you yourself uh, beheld or something worthless. Now, I don't know the correct verb tenses of that, but you get the idea. We become what we behold. And if we behold the things of this world that are worthless, we ourselves become worthless. We contribute to the city of man, the things of this world, and we do not contribute to God's kingdom. That's a tough message. <laughs> and it brings me to my second point, and it's this. What are you beholding? What are you holding high? What are you giving your time and attention to? What do you wake up and need to know about first thing in the morning? What are you falling asleep and thinking about at night? What are you thinking about when you walk into a room and look at everyone in the room? What are you beholding? I know many of us, myself included, when I talk about imitating the world, when I talk about conforming to the world, 
you think of someone else. Like, oh, I know someone who could hear this message, right? My crazy uncle, my crazy niece, like they really need to hear this message. What I'm saying is this, you gotta check yourself because the world is a very tempting place. It is not neutral ground that we are in. The world wants us to conform to its values and I've fallen prey to it a ton and I know that all Christians can fall prey to it. Here's another story uh, from my own life and I think it's actually a story that you might relate to um, because in this 2020 season, some things got really elevated in the value system of, of the world and I fell prey to it. One of those things was, was just the news. The news in general, something I never paid attention to when I was growing up, something I barely gave a thought to. Um, but this year, more than any year, I was enamored with the news. What do I mean by that? I mean, every morning I wake up I look at the news. Before I read my Bible, before I pray to God, I caught myself checking Google News. I mean, I'm scrolling through one story, two story, three story, four story. Before I get to work every morning, before I have breakfast, I've had 20 minutes of worldly news shaping how I'm gonna walk into the world, right? And that is was a stumbling block for me. When I would come into this room, this actual living room, I would fire up a playlist I made on YouTube. And my thought was that, hey, by listening to this news source, and this news source, and this news source, and this news source, I'm gonna create a very balanced worldview, right? That's what I thought was going to happen. But what ended up happening was I caught myself holding up the politics and policies and how we use our money and how we treat others. I held that so high that I started viewing the entire world through the lens of politics. Like what, it sounds crazy, but what does that mean practically? Practically, I would go into work and while I had a conversation with a coworker, I would put them into a category, right or left. When I went to a family gathering, I would look at my parents or I'd look at my cousins and I would put them into categories, right or left. And everything I thought about, I thought about through policy, I thought about through social movements, I thought in those terms. And what I didn't realize is I was conforming to the patterns of this world. I was thinking exactly how the world thinks. That is how the world has thought in this time. And every morning when I woke up, I would go to the news and every night when I went to bed, I would go to the news. I have a Google Home in my bedroom and when I say, uh, when I ask it to tell me good morning, it goes through the news. It tells me, it, my alarm goes off and then it immediately goes into the news coverage for the day. And now that I'm thinking about that, I'm realizing, dang, that has shaped me to conform to the world. <laughs> I know that is, that's tough and I'm realizing I really need to check myself. So what are you beholding? For some of us, it's politics. For some of us, it is status and money. For some of us, we look at the families around us and wonder if my family is better than your family. We're looking up parenting blogs and things and we look at the entire world through the lens of parenting and am I a good parent? We look at the entire world through the lens of am I appearing good? Do I look good? Am I more intelligent than the people in this room? And we stack ourselves up. When we walk into a room, we don't see people with needs that we can meet and people who we can share the love of Jesus with. No, 
we see people that we are actually a little bit better than in these areas and a little bit less than in these areas. We start using the world's frame, how the world frames all of life. We get sucked into that and we start seeing the world through the lens of the world instead of through the lens of Christ. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we are not careful, we will be conformed to the patterns of this world. And that brings me to my last point, which is this. Choose to become like Jesus. Choose to become like Jesus. In other words, if, uh, think of this statement. If we aren't actively pursuing Christ, if we are actively pursuing God, if we are actively choosing the things of God and uh, holding them high and thinking of them as the greatest things, then we will passively be conformed to the world. If we don't actively choose Christ, we will passively be conformed to the patterns of this world. What does that mean? It means that we have to have a plan, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go into 2021 and we can't just assume that our Christian life is going to go on just fine. We're not going to be affected by the world. No, we do not live in a neutral world. We live in a world that is going to conform us to its lens, right? So we need to actively pursue Christ. We need to choose to become like Jesus. Uh, how do we do that? Well, here, we're going to get really practical. The first thing you can do is recognize and rid yourself of the things that conform you to this world. In my example, I'm realizing now, maybe I should take my Google Home out of my bedroom. Maybe I should take my phone out of my bedroom. Maybe I should replace that with my Bible so that every morning I'm not waking up and being conformed to the patterns of this world like that immediately, but instead I'm choosing to pursue Christ and be transformed from the inside out uh, through him. So maybe I need to delete my news app. <laughs> maybe I need to take my television out of my living room so I'm not tempted to just watch the news over and over and over again. Recognize and rid yourself of the things that are conforming you to this world. Now, whatever that may be for you, you got to recognize and rid yourself of them. So that could be social media. That could be uh, your phones and your bed. That could be books that you read or people you talk to. Um, you need to be aware of what is shaping you, okay? And, and then comes the next part. Yes, that's how you rid yourself of the worldly lens. But how do you adopt? How do you transform and renew your mind to adopt a lens of God? And this is how. Number one, read his word. Spend time with God. If you are not actively pursuing God in his word, then you are not going to be transformed. He speaks to us through this. If we want to uphold the things of God, if we want to be transformed by his value system, we need to uphold and behold his values and his word. Uphold his word, not the world's word. We need to spend time with God. We need to wake up every morning and desire to be in his word rather than to be in the world's word. We need to spend time with him in prayer. We need to be asking him, Lord, our relationship is so valuable and I value you so high that I want to become like you. Help me to become like you today. Help me to see through your eyes. Help me to see this world like you see this world. Help me to see hurts and struggles like you see them and help me be an agent of your kingdom on this earth today. Spend time with God. 
Um, if you don't have a reading plan, many of us do, but if you don't have a reading plan and you're like, man, I need to actively pursue God, um, the church uh, has a reading plan Read 365. You can join us come January 1st and start reading through the Bible today. And we're not doing this just to check off some things. No, we don't want to conform. We want to be transformed. And that's why we read the Bible, to spend time with God. So have that plan. Get on it. Be ready. January 1st, you're going to read the Bible. I challenge you to do that so you do not be a part of this world. You don't be conformed. Um, number two, spend time with others that are going to point you to Christ. Surround yourself with people who uphold God's word and God himself. Surround yourself with people who want you to be transformed by this, who when they see you valuing something else, they say, cut that out. <laughs> cut that out and turn to God. That's who we should be surrounding ourselves with. Spend time with others. Make sure you have uh, people around you that can do that. And lastly, uh, know and use your gifts. Use your gifts. Once we've been transformed, we have to use our gifts to transform the world. What's inside of us is now going out. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his work can now use our gifts to transform the world for God's kingdom instead of the world's kingdom. Use your gifts to transform the world for something that's not worthless, but that has eternal value. All right, guys, just to recap, number one, you become what you behold. Number two, what are you beholding? And number three, choose to become like Jesus. Actively pursue Christ so that you don't passively be conformed to the patterns of this world. All right, would you bow with me? Dear God, uh, we come before you today knowing that we, left to our own devices, on our own, choose the world over and over. We, on our own, are conforming to the patterns of this world. We love to value what the world values. We love to see the world through the eyes of the world. But Lord, I come before you today recognizing that I can't transform myself, that I need you to come inside and, and transform me from the inside out. Give me courage to be bold, to read your word, to pursue you. Lord, there's often times when I do not want to read your word, or I do not want to talk with you, um, but I'd rather engross myself in the things of this world. Lord, in those times, I pray that you would give me the power to overcome temptation, um, to pursue you at all costs, Lord. Uh, as we go into this 2021 season, Lord, um, give us, give me, give our congregation just a new mind. Uh, help us pursue you daily to renew our mind and be transformed so that we can go out and transform the world we live in. In your name we pray. Amen.